Welcome to a Veterans Podcast, powered by Wisconsin Veterans Network, the show where we hear unique, inspiring stories and firsthand experiences from veterans all over. Veterans who've transitioned, who've overcome obstacles, and even those still struggling. We will focus on different aspects of transitioning out of the military service and share some tips and tricks along the way. We will learn no veteran is alone, no matter the path they took. We share their stories to help motivate and inspire the world, to help understand what it means to be a veteran, and most of all, we share to give them a voice amongst the noise. You can find us at aveteranspodcast.com to learn more and to see how you can be a part of the show. Welcome back to season two of A Veterans Podcast, everybody. It is great to have you here and to have you as listeners As you know, with season two, we're kind of switching it up a little bit. So our last episode, we talked about military kids, right? And the transition that affects not only you as the service member, but your family as well. So if you didn't get an opportunity to listen to that episode, I urge you to go back and do it. Um, And today we are going to talk about mental health. And so I understand that this can be a tough topic. Um, but I think, you know, you might find some good information, some info on where you can find some good counseling services. And also we're just going to keep it real. So, um, I hope you stick around and listen to today's episode. And as always, today's show is sponsored by Wisconsin Veterans Network, an established Wisconsin nonprofit ran by veterans for veterans. Their mission is to provide guidance and support for all veterans, whether guard, reserve, active, or even a bad discharge, looking for any kind of assistance in the state of Wisconsin. If you're a Wisconsin veteran looking for an answer, whether a simple question about benefits or are currently homeless, give them a call today. You can find more information about them at wisvetsnet.org or at aveteranspodcast.com. Also, if you are an out-of-Wisconsin listener, um, you can hit up our website, aveteranspodcast.com, and we have some national resources and state-specific resources if you're looking for um, assistance in a different state. Um, You can also find us on TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram at A Veterans Podcast. So let's get this show started. All right, so I have Randy back on the line, my partner in crime. How are you doing today, Randy? You know, I'm living. I just had bacon, eggs, and toast breakfast. I had two cups of coffee. I feel good. Oh, two cups of coffee. I'm not even on my first yet, so you're ahead of me on this one. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Um, so before we get started, we should start this by saying we are not mental health providers or professionals by any means. Um, and if you find yourself in a mental health crisis... You can either call 911 or you can call the Veterans Crisis Line, and that number is 1-800-273-8255 and press 1. Or they have a chat option now, so if you go online to the veteranscrisisline.net, you can connect online for a chat, or you can text 838-255. And they will connect you with somebody who is qualified if you are in a mental health crisis. Right. So I just wanted to start with that, you know, 
in case people are struggling. Hmm? Those are good resources? Yeah, yeah. And I've uh, I've heard really great things about the Veterans Crisis Line. Um, I don't have personal experience with it, um, but I have talked to veterans who have used it, and they say really great things about it. I've always had uh, the crisis I have gone through with Military One Source and did their chat, and um, I can attest to that one. That one's pretty good. Military One Source has a chat as well? They do. Awesome. Well, I will make sure we put all these resources um, in our write-up for this episode. So if you're listening and want more information about any of the services we talk about today or mention, we will be sure to put it in the write-up so you can click away and get the help that you or your loved one may need. So let's talk mental health, my friend. Oh, good man. <laughs> right? Loaded, I feel like. Yeah. yeah that is loaded. It's, uh, it's never-ending. It's like technology. There's always something new about it. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, I think that given in today's non-military news, um, the controversial, controversial, I should say, Gabby Petito case, mental health and awareness is a huge topic. Definitely. I think people associate mental health with just PTSD. Right. And it's so much bigger. There's so many things that um, mental health can kind of come up in, right? Like your domestic violence situations, um, right. as in the, the Gabby Petito case that we've been kind of watching unfold. Um, there's mental health in health situations, right? Newly, newly right. diagnosed or um, revisiting your mental or your physical health can cause mental health situations. Oh, um, absolutely. And or, yeah, or just you're just needing somebody to talk to, right? Mental health doesn't have to always be a crisis situation. Right. It can be as simple as you go to a primary care physician for your physical health. Why not see a mental health specialist just to talk through things? Right. Just to talk things out, honestly. Because as good of a friend as you are, sometimes <laughs> sometimes yes, your mental health approach may be different than what I need. <laughs> yeah, you know, I absolutely agree. I think no hands down. I think that we often look to our friends for help, which is great. Right. Um, and it's good to talk through things with people that you trust and care about and they care for you. But who do you turn to when things get dark? Right. Or what if even you're, you're turning to your friends and that person is also in a dark place, you know? Um, I think we also fail to realize or kind of look over is that we often think of mental health as PTSD or um, trauma response related or those types of things, but some of it's genetic, you know, um, my daughter just found out she has bipolar disorder. We knew that her father um, also had it or has it. 
And we didn't realize that the outcome of a child having it was so high because I also have family members on my side. So if one parent has it, it's about a 10% chance that your child will also develop bipolar disorder. If it runs in genetics of both sides, the chance of a child in your home having bipolar disorder is 80%. That's crazy. And it's often overlooked in teenage years because of hormonal changes. And it's not something that just therapy can take care of. And it's not something that just medication can take care of. Because as teenagers go through hormonal changes of becoming an adult, their hormones also change and adjust improperly with their bipolar disorder. So medications have to change, which means they go through even more hoops and mounds and jumps and all of these things to properly equate out all of their hormones as they're changing, not only because of the disorder, but because of their hormones of aging. And so, and as it's very uncommon to uh, find a diagnosis in a teenager, Mm -hmm. but it's the most, um, you want to be able to, to notice those signs in a teenager, but it's very unlikely, but it's the best time to find out so they can properly medicate and learn to cope and adjust. Well, and I, I think, too, as a parent, right, then you have to take on this whole new role of right. ca- of caregiver in a different way. You're always a caregiver as a parent. Right. But now you have to be a little bit more mindful and watchful of, like, things that are happening um, and care for your child in a different way, um, which could be taxing on your mental health. Right. And for somebody like myself, I already struggle with mental health from um, PTSD Mm -hmm. and other traumas that I had both as a child and in service and as an adult. And so now I've become kind of this like pharmacist. Um, I've become a caretaker, a medical like caretaker, you know, to make Mm. sure that not only she's taking her medications when she's supposed to, but that she takes them properly. And then things that you already worry about as a parent, um, especially to a 15 to 18 year old and beyond is that they're drinking that they might partake in, um, dabbling in any type of recreational drug usage or even misusing their medications. Because once those things start happening, then you're dealing in a whole nother ball game. And so now I'm watching myself take my own medication and I'm watching her take her medication, making sure that, you know, her time release pills are taken at the right time and that she's sleeping and the nights that she's not sleeping or I see that she's manic, she's taking sleeping pills. And what, you know, this last weekend she went out with friends and she came home and she was just manic. She just had she had a great weekend, but adjusting back to life, going to school on Monday morning, just wasn't something that she was pulling together. And so now we've, you know, decided and discovered that maybe sleepovers and going out on the weekend is something she can't do because she doesn't have the coping skills and adjustment skills to come back into the house and kind of wind down and prepare herself for right now uh, a week of school. And as an adult, I'm sure it's going to be a week of work mm. and school. Who knows? But yeah, you become 
and you have to be educated. I have to educate myself on what signs are, what triggers are. I have to be very well-rounded knowing what her specific signs and triggers are. And those are all very important for her to also learn to cope with it and adjust as she ages in the years. So how do you now as a veteran who doesn't like, so in the military, we have um, access to mental health care, uh, right. whether good or bad access, we won't get into the, the politics of that, but right. um, as an active duty service member, mental health is something that you can reach out to. Um, not many people do because there's kind of a stigma, right? If you get mental health help while you're in service, um, how do you continue with your job? If you have a security clearance of any type, could it be taken away? Um, they claim it can't, but we don't ever know. And people have seen things happen, right? Because they've gotten mental health help. Right. So as a veteran, you get out of the service, right? And, and maybe you realize like now is the time, right? Or maybe your spouse looks at you and is like, look, if you don't go and talk to somebody, I can't stick around much longer, right? Because right. That, that happens. Um, right. Or maybe just your loved ones or your kids or somebody is looking at you like you need help. So as a veteran who is dealing with um, a mental health crisis, for lack of better words, in your own house, how do you find mental health or where do you reach out to um, for professional mental health help? So um, in my daughter's case, because that's been the most recent, um, she went out. She she had gone out. She had some sort of manic episode. And we had kind of seen the signs coming. And it was kind of a struggle between, is this, am I seeing changes because she just went through some pretty big life changes. You know, we're sitting in the middle of COVID. Um, last year, March 2020, I got out of the service. I got out of the Navy after 11 years, which is pretty much all she knew because she was 14. So she remembers me leaving around two, two and a half, and then basically coming back and being a full-time parent at 14. So I got out of the Navy. Um, I filed divorce, and I moved to a place that she had never been, to Texas, um, from Maryland, where she had lived the longest that's the longest I was ever stationed in one place um so I struggled with is she going through life changes because we just went through a lot or is she going through a lot because she's a teenager um and I kind of waited that out because it wasn't she wasn't acting out terribly bad but you know her grades were kind of slipping and she was kind of I was physically seeing changes in her appearance and then and then more came along, you know, um, a, a whole year later, it cycled back around and the year had kind of dwindled down, things got good. And then um, there was some other behaviors where she was acting out, you know, um, just kind of like leaving the house and not saying anything. And then the grades got worse. Her friend group got a little bit messy. Um, <laughs> and then and then she started to isolate and she had no friends. And I was like, mm, this is very unusual. So she went out one night called and was like hey I left the house now I'm feeling unsafe um and I knew that she wasn't unsafe we live in a very safe area we're patrolled frequently we have a very nice gated community and all of those things so 
I knew she wasn't safe, but she felt unsafe. And so I didn't know what that meant. So um, I immediately went to go get her, picked her up, and that was at like three in the morning. Um, I made her sleep on the couch and I, you know, just told her, I'm going to wake you up in the morning. We have things to do. So when I woke up at about seven, I knew no doctor's offices were open. So I waited it out, started calling um, her healthcare physician, her primary care at about 7.30. Um, he, the nurse's helpline gave me a, a few resources of places I could call, but didn't know if it was something that could happen right away. So I made those calls and they were to adolescent facilities um, for mental health. They were intake processes. And one was just another healthcare physician that specialized in adolescent depression. Mm -hmm. So the first one said, come on, you know, if she's awake, you don't need an appointment, walk in, you can't have anything on you. Um, we're going to take both of you back. So you'll both be screened. You'll sit in one room, she'll sit in another and we'll see what's going on. So I woke her up. That was it. By eight o'clock, we were out of the house. And so we took off and we went to um, what later accepted her into a partial hospitalization program, PHP, which I was familiar with. And as soon as they recommended that, I wanted that because when I was enlisted, I spent five days in Bethesda, Walter Reed, um, in the psych ward, followed by overall 120 days of IOP, um, which is like a day program, and then PHP, where I checked myself into a hospital Monday through Friday. I didn't, I didn't report to the Navy. Um, I just went to the hospital and I learned coping skills. I learned how to routine my life, how to properly take my medication, and kind of what was the, the foundation of what I was going through. And so I knew that if I had taken away so much from that program that I wanted her in it. So mm -hmm. they put her in it. She went to 10 days. So they took her out of school. Um, it didn't affect her grades. It was completely excused. The school was aware that she was there. So she went Monday through Friday. And she went two weeks. She learned some new coping skills. They gave her some reading resources about adolescent and teenage bipolar and then young adulthood. And then they medicated her until we could get her into a permanent solution of therapy and medication routine, which um, they kind of paved the way for me. So really, it was just me having connection with her primary care doctor, making the phone calls, and then following through on aftercare, which I knew was all important because I had been through the system myself, mm -hmm. but in the military. So for people listening um and i can speak to this as well like your primary care is your almost your first line of defense if it is not a crisis situation so yeah if like, it is not a crisis situation life or death yeah. bleeding already hurt already self-inflicted those types of things yeah yeah so and i can oh. speak to my primary care um you know life had just like caught up to caught cotton that's not a word catched I don't know life got to me all right <laughs> I don't know what the right word is um and I went in for like my annual physical or whatever and my right. pr primary care doctor bless his heart he's he has since been fired but <laughs> mm. 
Um, <laughs> he, I said, you know, I'm, I'm just struggling with some things. I need to see um, a mental health provider. Um, I think I need some medication. I'm not sleeping well. Um, my mental health is more triggered by my physical health because of health complications that I have. Um, and so I just need to talk to a doctor who can prescribe me medications to help me sleep and maybe take the edge off a little bit, right? Like I, I was just kind of like always grumpy, like in a state of perma grumpy is what I call it. Right. And I just needed something to take the edge off. And he was like, well, you know, I can't do that because I'm a doctor. I can't prescribe you anything. I said, I'm well aware, like just hook me up with a good psychiatrist, right? And Right. And thankfully, in Wisconsin, um, Aurora, the hospital system advocate Aurora, has a psychiatrist who is prior service. And he is phenomenal. Like, when I talk to, to veterans in the area, and, you know, the conversation of, like, mental health meds always comes up for some weird reason. Like, why do veterans talk about that like it's normal? Like, hey, man... What what drugs are you on to sleep? You know, <laughs> right? It's like growing up on the wrong side of the tracks. You know, like you talk about things that people in normal society would never say. Yeah, like, and you're like, oh man, you take this, well, I take this. You know, and um, so anyways, uh, his name always comes up, and he's a great doctor. And I'm gonna link Aurora's mental health, um, stuff that they have for specific to military and veterans. Um, they have like these classes, Randy, this is so cool. So they're virtual. You don't have to be a mental health patient. So if you don't have insurance, if you don't have, um, any, like anything to pay for your mental health, they have these groups that meet virtually. You can log in and I'll post all the info, um, that basically teach you how to be a civilian, which if you think about it, you were programmed for so many years to be a member of the military, right? To not think about yourself, to not think about how you feel or think or whatever, but worry about everybody else. And these classes that they teach, and it's not like you sit down and read through a book or whatever. It's like a group discussion kind of um, set up, teach you how to like worry about yourself. Right. Which I don't think veterans do, quite honestly. I right. Think, no, I, I agree. I think we are always worried about the next person, worried about maybe how our actions influence the next person um, or our behaviors affect other people, but not about how our behaviors are affecting us. Right. And so they have a really great program and, my primary care was able to get me a a mental health consult to see a psychiatrist because there's a difference in a psychologist and a psychiatrist. Correct. A psychologist is the talking mental health provider. A psychiatrist is the meds mental health provider. Um, And they, and psychiatrists do talk to you a little bit about like what you're going through. Cause obviously they need to, um, best address your situation. But, um, for instance, I'm on a bunch of heart meds, right? Those heart meds were were depleting 
my ability to fall asleep on my own. And that's not something people talk about a lot because most people who don't struggle with sleeping are still able to sleep even though it's doing this. Well, if you struggle from sl to sleep and then it's taking away the other ability you have to fall asleep, but my psychiatrist was able to like call that out and be like, well, you're on these meds. So it's going to make right. you feel this type of way about sleeping. Um, so it doesn't hurt to reach out to a professional, I guess, with all that being said, <laughs> like, no, not at all. I mean, and not everybody has people like I come from a very large family and we're all over the, all over the place. Right. So, um, I, I'm related to people, but I don't, I wasn't raised in an environment where it was, um, advocated for us that we talk to somebody if we needed somebody. And I grew up in a house um, with addiction and codependency and all of these things, which a lot of people grow up in those types of situations and they don't even realize it. Mm -hmm. But as you go on and you become an adult and you have your own children and you start to see your past being played out in your present and future and your own children, um, you realize you too have things you need to work on. And and the people who were a part of that cycle aren't necessarily going to be the people that you're going to ask for help from. So for me, my only solution was to find somebody that I could talk to and somebody I could kind of hash out the details of why I was feeling that way and um, solutions on what would make me feel better so I could be a functioning adult. And that's my, that's my goal with my daughter is that, to make her a functioning, well-rounded teenager and to create these coping skills and this routine that she can be a coping, well-rounded adult because I was not that. Mm -hmm. I was none of those things until, honestly, it took the entire 11 years I was in service to create some of the stability routine and learning to cope and all of the things that happened to me and all of the help I received. Um, I wouldn't have changed any of it because it wouldn't have created somebody who can cope with the things that I'm coping with beside her. Mm -hmm. Well, and, so. and to a lot of people join the military to get out of their house, right? Right. They, they join to get out of their neighborhood. They join to get away from their relatives. I like how you put that. Like you're related to people, but they're not necessarily like that family core unit, right? And so right. people join the military to get away from that. And right. when you transition out of the military and your only friends are, or family, friends or family, are in the military, how do you cope with that, right? So, so even right. talking to a professional um, to learn how to cope with that I, I just spent, I don't know, I've been out of the military for like seven years, right? And if I'm being completely honest, I still struggle with like separating military life from like me as a civilian. And right. so thankfully I'm a, a, a member, that's a weird word, an alumni of Wounded Warrior Project. And they offer a year of free mental health services. 
So you can call them and they will hook you up through this program that they do. And this therapist that I had literally like helped bring awareness to what a civilian is. Right. The transition of the, how you need to separate them for sure. Yeah. Because like civilians and this is not like meant as a dig to anybody, but civilians think differently than people in the military. I absolutely agree. Like, Couldn't agree more. Like they're worried about themselves. <laughs> like, right. How do you do that? No, they <laughs> absolutely are. I'm like, I don't, this is not making sense to me. I don't get it. Yeah. And, and so even if, if you feel like your time in service was on the up and up and, and you didn't have any issues, first of all, that's awesome. Good for you. Like, right. <laughs> like, I think you might want to like look a little deeper, but good for you if you feel that way. But even just taking the time to talk through some of the things you experienced in the military with somebody who won't tell anybody, they're right. not going to judge you. They're not going to make you feel less or more about anything. Like, just get it off your chest. Right. No, I, listen, civilian life is no joke. It's not for the week. <laughs> <laughs> That's real life. <laughs> it's hard out here on these streets. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's that's I for to, real. I had to cook my own eggs this morning, and I didn't go to the mess line and be like, two eggs over medium," and then you <laughs> get your eggs and they're scrambled, and they're, it's actually just egg whites. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I definitely fried my own eggs, and my second egg, I didn't even, I didn't, it wasn't over medium. It was like not even cooked, but <laughs> so we didn't eat that one. But <laughs> my bacon, prime. It was so good. It was like top notch but it was real bacon it popped and fried all over the entire house basically but cooking your own eggs is no joke man <laughs> or waking up to the sound of an iphone alarm device you know somebody telling you to get out of your rack because there's an alarm going off on the entire ship yeah. you know things are just different out here well and and you know you get a civilian job and you can wear whatever you want within reason, right? You can't, I mean, if you're a professional, I don't suggest you show up to work in sweatpants and a t-shirt, but, um, which is, there's, which is weird. <laughs> there's no uniform, <laughs> right? There's no. no, um, you know, I know for me personally, um, I show up to work 15 minutes before I'm actually supposed to be there because early is on time. Right. Where, no, whereas, whereas people that I work with might show up five minutes after quote unquote work starts because they're not really like checking in with anybody. Right. And so they think it's okay. Yeah. Or maybe they just are running late that day. You know, I, who am I to judge? But because of all the training and stuff, like you have to reprogram yourself. And sometimes just talking to a mental health professional is the way to do it. Listen, there's so many things that I do that I did not know other people <laughs> didn't do. Like I didn't know that people don't show up 15 minutes early. So I I'll show up somewhere 
this 15 minutes or so early. And then they'll be like, you know what, Barbara's in a meeting. You're actually a little early. And I'm like, <laughs> am I early? I'm, I thought I was on time. They told me I'd be on time if I was early. So here I am showing up, you know, thinking I'm Joe whoever. And they're like, mm, you're a little early. She'll see you in 17 and a half minutes when your appointment is. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, this is so stressful. I thought this was what I was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. So, but when I show up to doctor's office, let me tell you, I show up about 45 minutes early, sit in the parking lot for about 23. <laughs> and then I walk in like I have 1,700 papers to fill out. And they're like, um, ma'am, nobody even uses paper these days. <laughs> and then I sit there and wait. And then I get called back 75 minutes after that. Mm-hmm. And then you wait in the the actual room for about another 32 minutes. <laughs> and by about 5 p.m., the doctor comes in and tells you that you need to be taking more vitamin C. Yeah, that's really. I thought that they would tell you to drink your water and change your socks. But here <laughs> we are. The whole time we needed vitamin C so we didn't get whatever ailments out on the streets these days. Yeah. I mean, that's so stressful. That's real life, though. Like I've, I don't know, no, about, I don't know about you, but I find myself, and I'm working on this, right? Twelve step program. Um, <laughs> I find myself <laughs> getting frustrated when people are either on time or like running a few minutes late, and yeah. I'm like, what? What is so hard about being early? What is so hard about just doing your job? Okay, look, let me be real. I stopped going to a major coffee chain place I won't name their name because I don't want any hate but I, <laughs> I, I stopped going there because why can't you make my coffee right like I, I'm not oh, no. I'm not asking for the world I'm asking for a simple coffee that tastes the same every single time okay and and I get that that's like super irrational to think that way and out yeah, of that obviously. situation I'm able to like see that right but in that moment, right. it just needs to be this way because that's the way you do it. Because if you don't do it that way, people die. And if people die, it's your fault, right? Because that's what we're trained. Right. Exactly. But, but it's a stinking cup of coffee. So, but it's not now. But it's not. But, <laughs> but thankfully, through therapy, I'm learning that those thoughts are irrational. I mean... To me, they're still irrational as well, um, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> um, I just want to know, like, I want people to know how valuable my time also is. So that's what gets me. I'm like, do they know how important my time also is? Do they not know how valuable I am? Because I know my worth. I look in the mirror every day and I'm like, <laughs> You look like a million bucks today, Randy, <laughs> and you smell like it too, you know? And for some reason, other people aren't seeing that when they're late. And I'm like, listen, Sally, you better pull your britches up because mm-hmm. you're a little late for me. And realistically, they're two minutes early. But to me, it feels like it, I'm being disrespected. Now, I've learned that I'm not at all. Mm-hmm. But it feels like that sometimes. 
Mm. And also, you can get fired from jobs in the civilian world, friends. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, they told say me it, in the Navy if I say did, it louder if I didn't want to be there. The <laughs> I mean, they told me if I didn't want to be there in the Navy that I could leave my ID at the quarter deck. <laughs> You can leave. You don't even have to come back. You don't have to be here. And so I thought, listen, they're not really serious, so don't don't go home because they'll <laughs> they'll find you. Um, but if you do that at a real job, and not with the military, it's not a real job, but the civilian job, right? So you say, you know what? I don't even like this place, and they'll say, you know what? We don't like you either, and you're replaceable. So um, they go ahead and have you sign a little piece of paper like a page 13 in the navy and they're like we have decided to terminate you and it sounds about as harsh as it feels you know Mm -hmm. um they walk you out the door and they're like have a good day um you were here for a good time not a long time don't call us we'll call you (laughs) and then they give you a paycheck and that's the last one you'll see yeah um and sometimes you can get this little compensation you know but sometimes you're just jobless yeah and then you're just a couch potato and it's just not a good look for anybody but you can get fired in the big world out there yeah so just be mindful that also can play a fact on your lovely mental um so i'd always recommend you trying to figure out the happy medium between your civilian life and military life and keep your job well i recently was tagged in something on linkedin um and i think it's like a series of like things you would say in the military don't say these things in the civilian world right um and (laughs) this it, it says instead of apologize to that plant for working so hard to create the oxygen you're stealing that makes me. I mean, makes, really. Uh, try. I'm not sure that's the direction we want to take. <laughs> like, but when you think uh, about it, when you think about it, you're you're trained, right? You're trained to like all the things that we've been talking about, and in right. your in your brain, especially those that that joined at 17 or 18 and served until they were 28, 38, 45, that's it. Like, that's all you know as an adult. And right. so, <laughs> so when you come out of the military, it's okay to say, you know what, I'm just going to go, like, talk through some things. Right. Because talking through some of those things, they may not be an issue for you right now, right? You look at it and you're like, I'm just getting out of the military, no big deal. I don't have any issues. The military trained me to be like an upstanding citizen. Look, the military honestly trained you to be a war fighting machine. Right. They didn't train oh, you to have compassion or feelings or emotions. No, your program. Yeah. And and that's no hate on the military at all. Right. It it is trained you have been trained for a job that is inherently very important to the safety and right. well-being of everybody around you. So getting mental health help to, like, 
untrain yourself or unprogram yourself or unmilitarize yourself is totally acceptable. Oh, for sure. Oh, I agree. Not to mention some people have a family while they're in service, aren't around their family because they're deployed and doing workups and all these military things, which is okay. Don't hear it as I'm not saying it's not okay. But you may need to do family counseling to learn how to co-parent together, to learn how right. to just parent in general, right? Because no, you, you, sure. you can't treat your child like you treat a recruit. No, absolutely. And you can't be just barging into a household where you've been absent and take over like large Marge. It just doesn't work that way. <laughs> large Marge, huh? That's a good one. Um, I mean, it's a pretty good one for those of you who are old enough to know who Pee Wee Herman is. <laughs> but, but that's the reality of it, right? Like, Absolutely. Just because you didn't experience trauma in the military or think you didn't experience trauma, we'll say it like that, you think you didn't experience right. trauma in the military, doesn't mean you don't need to just talk through it with somebody. And oh, absolutely. And I'll be completely honest, right? The VA's got a pretty bad rap, rap, rep, rap, rep. I don't know. Rap sheet yeah. or reputation. Yeah. Either one of those. The VA rides the struggle bus when it comes to mental health. Oh, for sure. And just a, a word to those listening, many VA facilities um, it's, it's a little bit of a weight to be seen. Okay. It's, Correct. it's not, and, and I, this is a misconception that I needed to hear because when I originally got out seven years ago, I went to the VA. I was like, you know what? I just need to talk to somebody. I'm really struggling, whatever. I went to the VA because I, um, my disability percentage from them allows me to go get mental help there as well. And they said six months, or not six months, six weeks. My bad, six weeks. And I was like, but I'm struggling today. Today I am having a problem. Um, and oftentimes, if you want immediate mental health care from the VA, you need to admit yourself. Right. Which is not yep. a bad thing. Let's take that stigma away. It's not... You're not weak. You're not um, less of a person. None of those things. You are actually incredibly strong and brave and courageous to do that. But there are also places you can go outside of the VA to get immediate mental health if you need it. Right. And the crisis line is a great place to start. Yeah, and for people who don't... Um are bad with numbers um you know the easy way to remember it is 1-800-273-TALK there you go they spell it talk t-a-l-k um so that's the way i memorized it mm -hmm. um there's also let's see um the defense centers of excellence and psychological health um they have a live chat which is the DCOE Outreach Center. And then Vet Centers, of course. Oh, yeah. The Vet Centers um, are great. I didn't even hype yeah. those up. 
but yeah that centers is a good connection to have um they have there's the national call center if you are also struggling with becoming homeless or already being homeless they have trained counselors 24 7 um specifically for that set of um veterans and then the national call center for ptsd is another one and they focus on um people who think they may be struggling with ptsd or people who have already been diagnosed and that's specific to that and, um, and for the record, and the veteran affairs. PTSD isn't just from combat trauma. Nope. PTSD it is, not. is a myriad of things that if we listed them all, we'd be here forever. But right. you can have PTSD from a lot of different things. It does not have to be from combat. Right. Uh, yeah. And a lot of people's um, PTSD, too, I know mine did, uh, stem from childhood and then as I experienced things as an adult, both in and out of service, um, became more complex and a little bit more profound because I didn't really understand that I had already been struggling with some things as a child because that was my norm. Mm-hmm. So when I went to the service, it was kind of exacerbated by things that I experienced there. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and, and so that's another thing. PTSD isn't um, what you see in the movies all the time. Right. No. Like Hollywood no. makes PTSD this dramatic, like you're like this quote unquote crazy veteran who, you know, thinks everybody's going to blow everything up and and everybody's out to get you. And and not everybody has that same PTSD experience. Right. So, yeah, they definitely link it to like very specific suicidal domestic assault. um, very outraged and those aren't always in fact they're typically not the case Mm -hmm. and so just because you um are diagnosed with ptsd or told you have ptsd or think you might have ptsd doesn't label you like hollywood labels you right no absolutely not um and i think that's what scares people about like getting help is they don't want to be labeled like maybe Hollywood labels them. Right. I know another thing people uh, struggle with dealing with it is um, loss of work and worrying that they can't get days off and those types of things. You know, people need to, and I know it's hard, especially when you're in this vicious cycle of like, being in a headspace that you can't take care of and then it causing more mental space that you can't take care of and all of these things. Telehealth is a great thing. You can, you know, take a break in a break room, um, ask to use one of the nursing rooms or a private facility, go to your car. Telehealth is a good um, thing to utilize. Or the live chat. The live chat you can do on your cell phone. Mm-hmm. Um, or take a, take a day, a, a self-care day. You can go see a mental health provider and take yourself out to a lunch. I mean, um, loss of wages is something that people struggle with, especially in today's economy, because we are dealing with COVID and people struggling to find jobs and those types of things. Um, and, you know, utilize your resources. Look, Google. Well, and Google has so many VA resources that people are unaware of. And cool thing, because I just learned this. So if you end up getting a job with the Department of Defense post-military uh-huh. service, 
the first year you're at that job, they have, um, and I don't know the specific name, and I'll post about it later, but they have a program where if you have a disability percentage from the VA for a heart issue, for PTSD, for whatever, that first year you're at the job, because you can't um, get enough sick time yet, right, because you're still working towards, like, building your sick time and stuff, they have 100, I think it's 105 hours that you can use for medical needs related to your VA disability percentage that is right. still paid time off until your sick leave kind of picks up and and things like that. So, so also um, veteran support jobs. Um, the one that I was working for, Veterans Evaluation Services, they offer something similar and you get every veteran has 20 additional hours to attend medical appointments that will not be taken from sick or vacation days. Mm -hmm. and, and we and get that. We get that not every organization has that. Right. But maybe when you're looking for jobs as a veteran, you maybe seek out some of those veteran friendly employers. Right. Right. Because the, at, Wisconsin Veterans Network, I used to work for them. Um, they, our boss is amazing. If it's a VA appointment, he gets that. Like the VA schedules your appointment for you. You don't get to schedule your appointment. <laughs> so right. as long as like you go to your appointment and come back right after, it's not charged against you. Right. You know, and, right. and so um, those are just other options, right? Like you don't have to it doesn't have to cause you more stress to get the help you need than you allow it to, especially with like all these right. telehealth options and everything no, else. Absolutely. And I'm in a position, um, I mean, if you work for a smaller company, I'm in a position mentally and in my own, I guess, awareness and like confidence in myself that if I worked for a company that I felt like, could utilize or benefit from suggesting new benefits, I would do so. Yeah. Um, I know my girlfriend works for a facility, um, a large corporate company Yeah, that the owner of this specific distributing company was a Navy veteran, but I, and they wear t-shirts as part of their uniform that have logos of the distribution company and that's their daily uniform. But I noticed on, Fridays, they do not wear red. So I don't work for the facility, but it's a small company and everybody knows me. So <laughs> I know, I know myself, since I noticed when I walked in the door that the, the, the founder of this company was a Navy veteran. Um, there's pictures of him all over the building. I suggested that they should wear red on Fridays because they are seen all over the community. They, they drive out into local stores and um, saloons and bars and restaurants. So I know that I'm in a place that I could come off with a great deal of taste and say, hey, you know, you guys might want to represent the company a little different and maybe wear red, red T-shirts with also your logo on it and not only represent the founder, but represent the community mm -hmm. and a large part of America by wearing these shirts. And I think that it would play a big deal. Like, we, you know, you guys have... You guys have pop-up tents down in the, the Astros field and 
all other types of large facilities down here, it might be a good idea. Mm. So, you know, popping up ideas to a company is never a bad idea either. Mm. And sometimes they just don't realize they don't have, they don't have that benefit or they don't have um, that it might benefit them. Yeah, for sure. So that's an idea as well. Yeah. I mean, and, and don't feel like you have to do it alone, right? If, if you are feeling overwhelmed thinking about like approaching, um, your boss or your HR or something about that, like every, I, I could almost guarantee this, you know, who served in the military where you work. Because, because everybody talks about it and jokes happen and whatever, but maybe reach out to another veteran and say, Hey man, or Hey girl, or whatever. Can you come with me? I'm thinking about talking to HR about this, but I just need you in my corner. Right. Right. We, we preach this. I got your six all the time. People say it all the time, but prove it. Right. So if a veteran comes up to you and says like, Hey, I need your help with something. Like, let's do it, right? Let's be that person for somebody else. Right. So. I couldn't agree more. You know, there's another, um, another, there's a website, mentalhealth.gov as well, that has all of the U.S. Department of Veteran Affairs mental health resources, um, and it's for service members, veterans, or both. Um, and then one of the ones I have used before is Make the Connection. So you can basically search all of your resources for um, public awareness, outreach, um, any type of services you're looking for, and you tailor it to um, what's your gender, what area do you live in, um, do you have combat experience, do you have none, what branch were you in, Um what era did you serve? You know, was it specific to serving after 9-11, before 9-11, Desert Storm? Um, and then it'll show you, it shows you videos, it can give you resources, it gives you local support, support as you're traveling, physicians, clinics, treatment centers, um, all types of stuff. It goes over signs and symptoms, conditions, and stories. And then kind of like peer one-on-one type connections too that's awesome yeah i mean that's that's huge and and honestly like if you find yourself and you're listening to this and you're like yeah sounds easier than it is and feeling like you can't do it on your own reach out to me reach out to randy reach out to noah noah our producer like one of us will gladly walk you through the process we, Listen, I'm a resource queen. I is. will, that's I will life. walk with you right through it, um, and that's the truth because I'm all about it. I've received help myself, and I'm down to find anybody who needs it. Um, I'll find you the resource, no matter what it is. Honestly, that's that's real life, and I can attest to that because when I don't know a resource, I reach out to her. <laughs> And then I take credit for it. So I'm just saying, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and that's how a real supervisor works. <laughs> <Ouch>. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I hope whoever's listening to this, I hope you take away that it's okay to talk about mental health. It's okay to laugh about mental health in the respect that if you're getting it and, 
and you need it and you want to share it with your friend, it's okay. Mental health, like however you approach it is okay, but getting the help is the most important part. Right. I absolutely agree. You're going to be a much stronger person for getting the help than for the aftermath it might cause from not getting it. Exactly. And we're all here for you. Um, a veterans podcast, all memes, jokes, and everything we post on our social media aside, like we care and we're here for you. Uh, feel free to reach out. Um, and you know, it's, you're not in this alone. Like as cliche and as cheesy as that line is sometimes like you're really not. So, um, feel free to reach out anytime. And we, do you have anything else to close out Randy? Um, I, I don't think I do know. Well, thank you for listening to a veterans podcast today to learn more about us, to hear previous episodes, or if you are interested in being on the show and sharing your experiences, you can find us at a veteranspodcast.com. We'd also like to thank our sponsor, Wisconsin veterans network, a Wisconsin nonprofit operated by veterans and serving veterans in need till next time.